All right, guys. Welcome to the Fitness and Philosophy Podcast. My name is Robbie Gustin, and I'm joined, as always, by OPEX founder, James Fitzgerald. James, how are you doing today? I'm good, Robbie. Good to see you again. See you, too. So uh, you were saying right now it's getting pretty warm out there? It will be 91 by the end of the week here, uh, 91 degrees Fahrenheit. I believe, and uh, man, I, I should be better at this with my uh, transition into America from Canada, but for all of our uh, um, metric listeners out there, um, I think that's high 20s. Like, I think you're almost in 30 degrees Celsius with that. Wow. And you have snow. Yeah, and we have snow outside. Awesome. I, I've been sort of, uh, so I've seen on Instagram all your posts of, you know, all the cacti and the uh, desert hikes and stuff like that. It looks really nice. It is. It's nice and warm. My uh, daughter and I, my wife, were walking last night. And uh, while my other daughter I was doing some uh, math um, tutoring. And uh, on the way back, it's like, it's like five minutes to seven, sun's going down. And, and my young daughter goes, my gosh, dad, this weather, this weather is so nice. And for an 11-year-old, it's like, she must have just heard us say it before, but I just reflected on that thinking, you know, how, how uh, fortunate we are to be out at 7 p.m. with just a t-shirt on and being outside. And um, it, during these times, it's really, uh, we're really fortunate for that. Yeah, that's no, really awesome. I mean, I grew up mostly in Southern California and I definitely miss being able to like go out for a hike during these times. And uh, <laughs> Well, I guess we I do. You know, you can put on your VR glasses and walk around your neighborhood and uh, right. perceive it to be different. Cross-country skis out. Oh, man. I would love to do that right now, actually. I, would you? I kid you. Oh, I'd love to do that. I was, uh, it was called Jackrabbit. And that was, really? the, that was the, it was like minor soccer, but it was minor uh, Nordic skiing. Yeah. As a child, I, I was in Jackrabbits um, from age four, I think, till like uh, 12. Um, where uh, they had two, uh, two courses there in Labrador, Northern Canada. And one of them was a trap and skeet club that uh, was, a, and it had a, also a biathlon course. And then it had like a world level cross country ski course because we had like unbelievable snow and lots of open space. Um, and uh, so, yeah, we, uh, I uh, practiced there uh, a lot and, uh, I have that in my blood, in my bones. So I would love to do that with you if we could, even virtually. That would be super cool. I, I, I've snowboarded basically my entire life, but I've never, you know, obviously South Bend is very, in Michigan, for most part, a flat. So I've never gone cross-country skiing, skiing, but I've heard it's really cool. Yeah. Well, maybe, uh, you know, like my, my daughters uh, play uh, some specific games with friends all around the country, right, on their video games. Uh, yeah. so maybe you and I could get some headsets and get on a ski erg and like be together yeah skiing and like having a having a little ski you know that'd be kind of cool yeah right? maybe that'll be the future of uh of fitness and human interaction right you're just you're just in your home with glasses on and you're interacting with people but you're not touching anyone right cool in one sense but yeah dystopian in another i'm sure we'll talk about that too when it comes sure we'll yeah, have a podcast sure. dystopian sure. In the future, yeah. Just to be pertinent, I just listened to uh, Lex Friedman, who's um, someone who does a podcast on artificial intelligence. Um, um, I'll post that in the notes too for people to find it. But I've uh, followed uh, Nick Bostrom for a number of years. He wrote the book in 2014, Super Intelligence. 
Yeah. Um, man, that stuff just hurts my brain to talk about uh, simulated universes and super intelligence and the way they speak about it, you know, just like you and I just mentioned there with the glasses and skiing against one another. There's always this discomfort in the conversation because of uh, this, this lack of that human aspect to it, you know? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you've noticed this, but I mean, you know, obviously we're all doing the best we can right now to, you know, maintain relationships with people we have during this time. But, you know, and, and you've emphasized this even before this was going on, but I, it, it's really brought home what, what you're missing when you do all this stuff digitally. I, th I think there's, you know, it, it's nice that we're able to do it rather than not, you know, better than the, the complete absence, but you really get a sense for how much you're missing with that, that human element. Yeah. And again, then that flavors someone's priorities in their life because what they, what, as you know, we use the example, or if you remember in the course that, you know, your car keys are never really a priority until you lose them, you know, uh, just to take that as a material example that it's the same thing. Some things go away and you have a big recognition then as to what you find important. And so I think it's a lesson for all of us to learn that it may not necessarily be just that medium in which we used to experience, but there's definitely something in there that's a priority for us, if you know what I mean. So, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And I think it, I think globally it's probably just, I would argue it's just something different. Therefore people are like, oh, I'm not sure how to deal with it. And then underneath that, I would say it's probably, um, you know, connection and social, social beings. Yeah. 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 That too. So um, today we are going to continue with our discussion of what is fitness. So Jim and I were discussing last time how, you know, this could easily be, you know, three, four, five episodes. Uh, initially, this is the paradigmatic philosophical question. There's so many other questions we'll get to, but I don't see any problem starting off and having this be a, you know, real deep topic of conversation. Yeah, well... Fitness in philosophy, right? That's the name. Yeah, fitness in philosophy. Yeah, I mean, we probably take a decade to answer that question, so <laughs> we're good to go yeah. on it. Let's let's possibly let's do a a review uh, of some demarcated things that we discussed last time. If sure. you don't mind, Robbie, um, I think I'll start off, and then you can say what we did after. But I think we started off by just proposing the idea of language and the, the definitions that are that are currently there on fitness or what was proposed and uh, did we move much further than that? Yeah. I mean, we did a broad general discussion about like what philosophy is and how it even works, how we investigate right. that. Um, but yeah, I mean, we were talking a lot about equiv equivocation and getting a clear sense of what it is um, we mean. Um, trying to do an, a little bit of the demarcating of the descriptive normative project that we'll get into bit more today like are we just asking like what is fitness how would people describe fitness or uh more broadly what should fitness be yeah yeah um and and, and things of of that nature so um last time we asked a lot of questions and you were bringing up rightly the fact that you know sometimes people get frustrated with philosophy because they say well is it just questions are there many answers i think we're going to continue with each of these episodes to have a ton of questions but i think especially today and going forward, we'll get a lot more purchase on some reasonable, tangible, like um, things we can ground ourselves in that 
um, are starting places for thinking about fitness, like some, maybe not concrete definition just yet, but like yeah. some, some guideposts. Solid. Yeah. I look forward to you helping all of us with that. Um, so today we're going to continue that. What is fitness discussion? Um, and we're going to specifically focus on, um, a question surrounding the idea of, again, like we were saying, like, are we just asking what are people describing as fitness or what should fitness be? So uh, usually I think James and I were discussing the idea here is, you know, we'll do a little five to 10 minute intro to a philosophical topic to begin with, and then we'll kind of launch into things. So today's philosophical topic, if you guys are interested, is the idea between descriptive versus normative uh, claims. So I'm going to give you guys a basic definition of what that means, and then I'll give you some examples. And then James, if you feel like it's unclear, if you have any questions, just, just let me know. No, no, I, uh, I've been mulling it as you've been saying it, and it's more clear to me now. So uh, I think the um, you digging into each of those specifically, and um, I'll, I'll try to offer some color to it. Okay, so um, at a basic level, descriptive claims are claims about how the world is, was, or will be. So they are either factual claims or claims trying to be factual claims. So, you know, the moon is made of cheese is a descriptive claim. It's a false descriptive claim. Yeah. Uh, not in fact of cheese, but um, it's a descriptive claim. It's purporting to tell us what the world is or was or will be. So like fitness is this. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, normative claims are about how the world should or should not be. So I'll give you, I'll give a number of examples here in just a second, but um, it's basically about, you know, the way that things ought to be or the way things, um, you know, should be. So a distinction here that can be helpful that doesn't exactly track things perfectly, but it's the distinction between facts and values. Sometimes people make that distinction. <laughs> um, and these are two different kinds of claims and it's a super interesting question how if at all they relate mm. so here's some concrete examples just to kind of help everyone wrap their heads around so take the example of stealing if i say someone ra robbed a bank the other day that's a descriptive claim yeah you know the police either find out that's true or they don't but it's a it's a claim about the world that we can either prove true or false yes uh, if I said stealing is wrong, that's a normative claim. So as we'll talk about, it's an interesting question. How do those two relate to one another, if at all? Yeah, am I correct in thinking right from the get-go that in the is-ought issue, there's always a morality issue that's going to, like, did I hear that also in the stealing aspect? In it's the not. Story, like, uh, sort of, you know, wrong, you know. Well, what determines, what determines what is wrong in that uh, topic? So, uh, is the fitness, fitness uh, should be this? Who determines that and what determines that? Yeah, exactly. And I think morality is the paradigmatical, or is one of the paradigmatic examples of normative claims, but there are other, there can be other normative claims besides just moral claims. Okay, got it. Got it. I, I just didn't make, I, try, I, I tried to connect, you know, what is right and wrong to be inside of most all of those normative claims. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 um, it's pretty woven in there, but to give you an example, um, 
etiquette. Etiquette is not morality, but etiquette is a normative claim. Got it. Got it. Yep. One, one shouldn't, uh, you know, sneeze open mouth in front of other people. That's not a moral claim, but it's a normative claim. Yeah. Yeah. With your uh, mouth closed. What's that? Be with your mouth closed. Yeah. Uh, particularly relevant right now, right? Um, so charity. So a descriptive claim here would be very few people give to charity. A normative claim would be one should give money to charity. Um, and then lastly, you know, uh, only 17% of mammals are monogamous. That's a descriptive claim. Scientists can either settle that one way or the other. Uh, someone could say, oh no, it's 34 or 50 or whatever, but that's a descriptive claim. But a normative claim would be humans should be monogamous. Yes. Yes. So with these different- I like uh, how you increase the intensity of those topics. <laughs> getting increasingly more, uh, yeah. Uh, seeing if people are listening out there. Um, so with these two types of claims, there are basically a couple of interesting questions about each of them. So the first one is what is the source of the claims? Like where do they come from and where do they acquire justification? So with descriptive claims, usually their source and justification comes from things like biology, chemistry, physics, sociology, psychology, history. Um, but with normative claims, the question is where did these come from? And this is a really big question in philosophy. Is it religion? Is, is it philosophy? Uh, it's certainly not science. So take an example here. This is really important to point out because a lot of people get tripped up here. Uh, we don't know that stealing is wrong by doing scientific experiments, by looking at what most people do, by taking a survey, by looking at what people historically did, or looking at evolutionary history. Mm -hmm. None of those things by themselves and not even all of them together is sufficient to prove the claim that stealing is wrong. Mm -hmm. uh, does that make sense? Yes, it does. Yeah. Unless you, unless you, you know, and then it's still not, you know, qualifying that stealing is wrong, but you start attaching the scientific method inside of the effects of stealing on the people that are stolen, <laughs> that get stolen. Right. stolen. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, so you're basing your conclusion of saying stealing is wrong because you said someone felt bad because they were stolen from, which that fact that they felt bad is, is a fact. You know, the idea that, that fact we can measure like what sadness is versus happiness in that the amount of tears shed, et cetera. Um, but still it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't answer that, that it's, uh, that it's wrong. Now, just to preview a little bit, I think later on, like one of the topics you and I were initially discussing is, so in philosophy, this is kind of taken for granted. You, you can't get ought from is. You, you can't get normativity from just is, mm -hmm. uh, from descriptive claims. It's interesting though, in health and fitness, uh, it seems relevant that yes, if biologically speaking, humans ate a certain way a long time ago, that does have a bearing on what we should be eating now. You, now you may need to add additional premises in there beyond just the is premises to get you what we should be doing, but there seems to be much more of a tie there in health and fitness um, than one it would be led to believe by what is typically taught in philosophy. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Can you, uh, can you possibly open up some ideas or conversation to how uh, these or other examples where they don't connect? Because the is-ought one um, could be, yeah, it could be uh, placed in other different areas where they don't align like you just did possibly with fitness. Because you made the statement that is does not, does not mean ought. Yeah. Right. 
So, uh, um, yeah, can you find another example where it that does not apply, or an example where that does not apply? Um, uh, uh, so another example like health or fitness where it wouldn't apply, or just another example in the is ought uh, argumentative area. Sure. So I guess just a typical example, like when, you know, when we used to have, uh, when I used to teach philosophy classes, when we would have debates, you know, someone would say, okay, well, stealing is wrong. And someone would say, well, people steal all the time. That second person has said nothing against the first person. Yeah. Like they're literally talking past each other because these are two different types of claims. It could be the case that 90% of the world's population steals and yet it could still be true normatively that stealing is wrong. So you need something extra in the mix to get those two to tie together by themselves. Uh, the two are different claims about the world. Got it. That yeah, it does. yeah. So it's the language that goes inside of them that uh, really offers if it's, if it can lead to one another. Um, and it's the same, I mean, you'll, you hear this, this these same things and, you know, uh, discussions of, monogamy or polygamy or something like that. Someone will say, well, humans should be monogamous. Yeah. And someone will say back, well, the vast majority of mammals are polygamous. Yeah. It could be true that, you know, the statement humans should be monogamous is in fact false, but saying most mammals are polygamous does not show anything against that, that first normative claim. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Or people should believe in God. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, right. So the example there is vast majority of humanity, both currently and historically does that by itself has zero bearing on that normative claim. Um, so just like we were discussing, another question is how do they relate to one another? Can descriptive claims be used to justify or discount normative claims? So by themselves, they might not be sufficient, but maybe they could be used as a piece of an argument. Um, or are they just, you know, uh, two completely non-overlapping worlds? You know, here's the descriptive stuff over here. Here's the normative stuff over here. And yeah. this is a simplification, but, you know, you see this in all, all the time in things like science, religion. Not a perfect overlap there because religion does make certain descriptive claims about the world. Yeah. But something that people can uh, maybe turn to if they're having a hard time grasping the distinction there. Yeah. I like in my own brain, I don't know if it helps people. I do art versus science and then it has a little interplay that's, that's there. Yeah. Yeah. Like like we've said, like you just mentioned, depending upon how we language, what fitness is can lead to a different normative, you know, um, challenge. Yeah. We're discussing prayer. Like we, we proposed fitness is, and I think I said three or four different things, you know, so uh, it's how, that, how that's language that dictates how it's going to connect possibly to normative claims. Right. And yeah, so th- yeah, the language component is super important. And that language component is meant to um, track what were uh, descriptions of the world in one way or another. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, someone might be asking, well, why in the world are we even discussing this with relation to what is fitness? How, how does this distinction help us? Um, get a purchase on our main topic. Well, to give you an example here, philosophers, both currently and in the past, weren't just asking for the dictionary and definition of justice, beauty, and truth. Like the discussion would just be over in five seconds if that's all we were asking for. So um, the same thing with fitness. 
Same thing with fitness. We're not just asked. And the dis- dictionary definition, as we'll see, may be useful for us today in getting a deeper purchase on what fitness actually is in that deeper philosophical sense, but it's not just the dic- dictionary definition. Yeah. My, my, my thoughts, Robbie, uh, I wonder what you're thinking is on that, is that um, I, I think it's almost the, uh, the, you know, as I mentioned before, the confusion and um, the lack of patience on people's behalfs to stick with a question for a long period of time. Um, like what is fitness? Um, but, uh, when does it come a point where, you know, you've, uh, in like game theory, we played the game long enough with that definition from 1997 and it's time to change that definition, like in language, like have our own dictionary. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And what's your thoughts on that? So that, and if that's, if that's the new groundwork, right, that's the new, you know, fifth version, right. That's upgraded, right. Like uh, I talk about a lot in fitness testing, the definition of decathlon and how it was tested and had so many refined pieces to the, to the definition. That practice of trying to define it over and over has really, has really made it you know, so strong <laughs> in its definition. So any thoughts on that for us possibly not only just massaging this idea and discussing how you should think about all the options, but you know, a future where we do, do we get to a point where it's like, we have words for it? I mean, I I think that's super interesting. And I'd say that's one of the main things we're trying to get at. So on the one hand, you could try to say, well, we're trying to do the same thing that Plato and Aristotle were doing. We're looking for necessary and sufficient conditions for, you know, justice, truth, beauty. We're looking for the same thing for fitness. On the other hand, I really like the software analogy where it's like, maybe it's just successive iterations based on new incoming data. Um, We just get better and better at uh, getting a sense of what fitness is, or we even come up with different conceptions as time goes on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of thoughts to that one. I was just thinking about the, uh, the issues with like using the concept of meaning um and being okay with the software idea for meaning and the definition of meaning for humans over time um that could get really really uh well it could be problematic for a whole ton of people because they want to have something they can you know latch on to um but if it's like a constant like well we're not really sure we're just going to hopefully as we do all these experiences is going to lead to a better better meaning of meaning a uh, better def- definition of meaning you know um that's where my brain immediately goes to on the concept of allowing this, you know, ongoing perspective of fitness as it's defined to be like the software uh, concept. I really, I really like that though, because, you know, personally too, I talk about it all the time uh, around, you know, different ideas like how is mm, technology going to mesh with this definition of fitness over time? Right? Like how is uh, our previous conversation about uh, uh, Bostrom's work, how will uh, general or artificial intelligence mix with this, you know, perspective of fitness over time, right? Like if you, if you believe in be, us being a part of simulation and there's multiple, you know, areas out there where there are people or whatever they are that are much smarter than us um, when we're not even at our cap of intelligence, um, you know, that's uh, yeah, that's just something I think about for, uh, for fitness. So to back up, my first gut instinct on that is like, no, cause I want to have just the, I want to have something we can latch our hands on and like work with for a while. But 
my, I, you know, I'm hypocritical to that because I do recognize that we've got a lot of things to look at and accomplish and we're going to have to mesh and evolve to that whole definition over time. So yeah, I appreciate that. And, and maybe this will help too. Um, you know, no matter which route you take, whether it's the necessary and sufficient route or more the software iteration route or maybe something else, mm -hmm. even if you say knowledge is this justified true belief or justice is this in every age and era that needs to be reinterpreted in light of new things like the Hippocratic Oath, do no harm. What's harm? There are new things today that didn't exist back then. Yeah. Um, you know, stealing is wrong you know, 10 commandments or what, what have you, but what counts as stealing. Yeah. So even if you were to come up with more of a concrete across times and places definition, which would be something more to latch onto, we would still have the opportunity to then say, well, how does that evolve based on these new forms of things that we're encountering that, you know, barbells didn't exist a thousand years ago. Yeah. Um, and how does that impact what we think of as fitness now? So. Yeah. My, my, and this is why I think it's the biologist in me that, um, um, or I think it's, it's probably deep curiosity in me that, and then studying biology in university that led me to that. And of course, practicing in the material world so often, um, I just keep thinking about the things that create constraints on that evolution though, too, meaning that fitness you know, overall in definition does have matter that it has to concern itself over, right? And the laws of physics that work with that human organism, right? And there's constraints in that um, that are arguably not not moving at the speed of what would be conce conceived to be efficiencies in cognitive function that technology is allowing. Does that make sense? So my just my whole point so people can understand what I'm getting at there um, is that, uh, 6,000 years ago, it still took nine months to have a baby, right? Like exactly 40 weeks. Right. And, uh, I'm sure there was premature children. There was a shit ton of children that didn't make the shit ton of moms that didn't make it as well. Um, so that's besides the point just for the conversation that that's 6,000 years, right? That was, that was before, uh, uh, multiple books were written on, you know, uh, how we should do this thing. So, um, and that's not changed. You know, when someone got cut back then, it's the same healing time, you know, as it is today. That's 6,000 years, right? So I'm just thinking about the, the biological constraints inside of what you and I were just talking about of this evolutionary new definition of fitness over time, yet there's a material piece that's connected to fitness no matter what in that definition. Your thoughts on that? Oh, I, I mean, I completely agree. And I think there, there have to be constraints. Otherwise just something becomes meaningless. Right. I mean, it just, you know, there have to be some, um, uh, structures that kind of organize the way we think about it. And I think fitness and health, unlike say literature, uh, or, you know, poetry or art, which are really the products of mm. culture, uh, you know, going back 10,000 years now, you know, we could have interesting discussions about well, the cave paintings kind of as art and do people write things down, but you, you see what I'm saying? Like yeah. a lot of those things that we, you know, have today taught in, in university are products of culture that don't necessarily, they have some tie to biology, but they're not as closely tied to biology. Yeah. What we're discussing. Yeah. And what we're discussing is heavily tied to biology and there's a cultural component too, but we can't forget about those biological you know, strictures, uh, yeah. or strengths. So, yes. yeah. 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 Great. No, thanks for, uh, yeah. Thanks for adding some language to that. Yeah. Oh.
Oh, no problem. Thanks for bringing it up. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like we were saying, philosophers weren't just asking about the dictionary definition. They also weren't just going around and asking like, oh, what's, well, I, I should, I'll clarify this in just a second, but like, while Socrates was going out around and asking, what do you think justice is? What do you think in truth is? Uh, he didn't just leave it at, oh, great. You think that? Cool. Yeah. I mean, like, it's not just an inventory of like, oh, what do people think in 20th, 21st century America uh, about fitness? We're not, not just doing a sociological survey about what people think fitness is. Rather, just like Socrates and other philosophers, we're trying to evaluate and make normative claims on how the um, term should be used. So part of our project that we're going to be doing here, I think, is descriptive. We're actually investigating what, how has fitness been defined? Yes. But it's also an evaluative and normative project about is that right? Yeah. And what should fitness be ideally? Yeah. Yeah. I, the, immediately my, the problems that I, I come in to with that is uh, um, this concept of group thinking. Um, the concept of uh, uh, consumer capitalism, uh, the concept of uh, you know in the current day and age being surrounded only by what you're what someone wants you to see, and you eventually feed into that, um, and also experience, which uh, which uh, I've seen before in asking asking you know an audience a question, you have to also know what your relationship is prior to you asking that question. Because in human interaction, asking a question to an audience that just wants to appease you, for example, you're just going to get back the answer that you want to hear. Yet if I go on the street, you know, and I ask 15 people I don't know, I'm probably going to get an answer based upon how I see that relationship, right? That relationship is brand new. They don't know me, right? Uh, I'm a white skinhead. (laughs) Just to use the terminal. That's okay for kids, I think. you know, it's like I'm standing outside of Walmart asking questions on fitness. Do you know what I mean? So I got I to gotta know going into asking those questions, right? Um, I think that's an important part of the Socrates point where he may have been surrounded um, by numerous people all on a specific sociocultural uh, level of understanding. So those are the things that I think about. I'm not sure if you can uh, ease my pain on what's going inside of my head of asking questions to people who, who possibly may not be uh, awake enough to what we're trying to get at to the answer of fitness, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, I, I completely agree. I think there are a couple things to say there. So one would be, you know, on a purely descriptive level, like a sociology, like there, we, we had someone at our gym at one point who was a, a PA, he was, he was going for a graduate degree in sociology, and he was just coming into the gym and just looking at what are people doing? Just noticing, right? right? The descriptive project. Yeah. Um, that's super interesting. It's cool. I, I think it's, it's worthwhile doing, but to your point with what we're doing, we have to be, and I, I think even in that descriptive project, you know, he would have to be cognizant of like all those different factors going into it. But with what we're doing, we're really trying to evaluate and suss out, you know, to what extent are these things true and we're not using, we're not taking them as face, at face value as like, this is the way, the light, and the truth. We're taking them as maybe a springboard to help us think about the question, but we could approach as, as you know, doing philosophy, we could approach the question from a completely different perspective, what I call a top down, where we say, I don't care what anyone thinks about fitness today. Yeah. We just want to talk about what would fitness look like as a journey from birth to death? 
in the ideal, irrespective of our current thoughts about it. Yeah, yeah, and I uh, I love that. Um, and I, I was thinking just as an idea, or you can let me know if I'm wrong on that, but the bottom-up approach I've also taken to indirectly and unintentionally by uh, speaking to uh, people and coaches from around the world. And that offers a different perspective as to how they see fitness because they see out of a lens that's completely different than mine. Although with both groups, we're still, you know, in that fitness bubble, right? I'm not, I'm not in a strip mall in Houston, you know, talking to people about that question. Uh, so, um, you know, uh, that, that has really opened up my eyes to, you know, when you're going to ask that question, even a big, 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 big one in our head, right? about what is fitness, you certainly have to know what the lens is on the other side that's answering that question. Yeah. And the descriptive project for us, I see it as nothing more than a springboard. I mean, I think it's useful. Yeah. It's, a, it's a springboard to then say, well, is this right or not? Yes. Yes. And you can get a clear Allow the scientific process to, uh, to uh, give feedback on uh, what that is, you know? Right. Um, exactly. Yeah. And do you think we're just going to derive at a point where we just come down to saying, well, this is how people are perceiving it. And we actually won't get to uh, a real, like what it should be. I think we can do both, honestly. I mean, and I'm interested to hear your thoughts too, but I think, I mean, for our purposes, I think the more interesting question is what it should be. I mean, I'll leave it to others to kind of do the full on descriptive project yeah. of, Oh, this community thinks fitness is this. And this community thinks yeah. fitness is that. I think that's super interesting and we can glean data from that. But I think, you know, British people think fit means sexy. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Like, um, so we might run into issues if we try to say, this is what everyone thinks fitness is. But for me, the descriptive project is more a lead off into the normative project of what should it be? Um, and how do these two play together? I guess. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll propose just some uh, language to start on that. If we don't want to go there, we can pull us back. That's fine. But um, you know, a, a constant, uh, lifelong, um, uh, practice of physical expression that leads to, uh, people, um, having, uh, really great thoughts and, uh, and, and with an opportunity to continue to experiment, uh, around what their physical potential is. Um, for the reason of uh, that, that you can do it and that you are a, a, a material being and, um, and, that, and that it's a practice. You know, I, I would create some loose shoulds right there. Um, that leads to uh, autonomy, meaning like not, not uh, Maslow's older style of self uh, or self-actualization area, but uh, around like you being able to maybe just, just do it without even knowing why you're doing it. I know that sounds kind of crazy, but it's an unconscious level of capability where people are just, you know, practicing physical expression every day because they know they have this physical potential no matter how young or old they are. And they just want to strive towards like some slight challenges of whatever that is through like muscular challenges and breath and overcoming, you know, movement solutions. Right. Um, 
and I'll start there. I'll, I'll just lay, lay the groundwork for what I believe should be. Um, and then we can work backwards or say what, what could be right or wrong or some challenges in that. I mean, I think we have the next hundred episodes right there. I mean, just, just in terms of like, I mean, there's so many interesting things you said in there that I, I think we'll probably get a chance to discuss, but like, what do we mean by autonomous, like fully autonomous? Does that mean you never have a coach again? Yes. Uh, what do we mean by habit or practice? Uh, what do we mean by, you know, you do it just because you can, or you should do it just because you can, can there be other reasons? Should there be other reasons? But um, I mean, I think as a first pass, if people are itching for a really good normative definition, I think that's a pretty darn good one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I look forward to, cause I can, I agree with you. I think just on those couple of topics, they could be an episode unto themselves. The, uh, the latter one, especially, um, I've thought a lot about that cause it sounds so simple, but there's a lot in it uh, that we move because we can, um, really ties in that whole concept that I lean it up against. We shouldn't move because we can, you know, that's what, that's what people have intentionally, as I've said this on our last episode, there's generations deep now of like thoughts that are embedded in people that it's like, you need to move in order to take care of like whatever you want to do in your day to day. And my belief is that that's, that's uh, you know, unconscious and incompetent. Okay. Yeah. And so that's why I say you move because you can, uh, not because you're supposed to, to fix, you know, okay. a lifestyle. Yeah. Okay. That's super helpful because that, that was something, I mean, I'd been thinking about all along as I've been going through the course, but like, I wanted to get you to flesh that out a bit more because there are lots of things we can do, but whether we should be doing them or not, it's an interesting question. But now I see it a bit more as like a contrast to the, you know, societal impulse of like, you need to. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's very helpful. Um, so, you know, in line with what you just said and referencing back to also something we said in the first episode, you know, we can come up with another term, you know, we were joking fits this last time, but basically uh, philosophers do this all the time where we ask, does a concept carve nature at its joints? Is this, is this the term we're actually looking for to actually describe reality? And maybe in looking at descriptions of what fitness is, we say, Hey, you know what, what people think fitness is that just isn't carving nature at its joints and your definition, boy, is that different from the, uh, in, in my opinion, in a good way, but boy, is that different from like your traditional definition of fitness. So we could even, you know, say to hell with the, you know, current definition of fitness in favor of some other uh, concept that has a different name or just say it's fitness 5.0 or do you see what I mean? Like you can, you can, we don't need to be beholden to the way people currently speak to look at a concept that we're trying to get to accurately describe a certain set of phenomena. Yeah. 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 What's your thoughts also on just not calling it fitness anymore? I'm open to it. Yeah. I'm open to it. As you know, there's, we can come up with numerous examples as to why an actual change in language had to result in a whole new thinking of what something is, you know? And I think it, it just may be, fitness may be handcuffed to that uh, na natural concept. Um, and I think it's, uh, I think it's it, in, 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 in me, I get emotional response because it's really uncomfortable. Um, when you think about it, it makes, makes humans see, seem, it's like meat sacks. You know, I mean, we're participating in this thing that we've defined as fitness and we're like, well, you know, COVID will just weed people out. 
Do you know what I mean? It's like, it, it, it's like, well, that is the concept of fitness, right? Like it's just strongest will survive and you'll reproduce and evolve and it'll all work itself out indicating what is the fittest and, and how does that fitness derive uh, an evolution and reproduction, right? And, I, and at that, at that natural level, you know, it just seems so, so lower order. <laughs> it hurts, you know, so lower order. Uh, so I think essentially, as I'm talking it out, what we're describing is, is adding, is adding more of a human element to that new definition. And I'm even proposing that you change the name entirely because it's been hijacked for so long in terms of what fitness means and its biological definition. I, I mean, yeah, I'm totally open for that. And I think, I mean, I would defer to linguistic historians here, but I, I, cause I actually don't know the answer, but it would be interesting to find out, you know, when did, you know, it, it's always interesting. When did these words come into common use? Was it with Darwin that, yeah. that fitness came? From? I have a, uh, I have a great, uh, it's called the illusionist. Uh, it's a podcast by this lady that uh, is an etymologist. Um, I learned so much uh, of her jamming on a piece of language or, or a word. Um, that'd be really cool to hijack some of her, her uh, frameworks that she uses to deal with what are challenges right now. So she gives you a framework, right? If you have a challenging notion of changing a word or finding its meaning and then recognizing it's been hijacked from this definition that you just need to change the word itself so that you can create these new perceptions as to what it means, right? Our exact issue we're having here as a possibility. She builds a framework for that um, as to how you do it because she takes you through numerous iterations of that specific word and then you can see how it means. She had stories and stuff that was so powerful. So we'll either down the road, bring her on or um, hijack some of her frameworks to help with what I just proposed there. If you're up for that, Robbie, over time. I think that's super interesting. And I think we should definitely do that. But just in my kind of armchair lay person thoughts about it, you know, I maybe fitness at one point meant like being ready for something. And then Darwin comes along and adds the hair of surviving and reproducing. And then it's really just in the past 40, 50 years that it meant anything even remotely related to like, you know, <laughs> yeah i thought of the adductor but you did the same movement but it's only be seen in the video it was so right good. yeah um so you know maybe it had these different you know layers of a cake that have been added on and maybe we were you know you and i are kind of asking like is it like a jenga tower or a cake where it's just kind of it, it's falling over and we're trying to mesh these different things together that don't quite go and maybe we just need to come up with a different concept yeah yeah um yeah and i just keep going back to uh not to lengthen that out, but the words on, uh, or just the physicality and um, um, this, this biological term that I use to describe every starting point for energy system training, which is expression, right? It, you're, you're, you're essentially at the basic level of it, you're, you're moving and you're expressing, you know, and and that means there's contractions and that means there's a bunch of other things that are taking place, right? There's information being shared, there's reaction, there's, you know, uh, stimulus and there's arousal states and all that stuff that's going on. But the basic level, it's movement expression. Um, and it, uh, and, it, and then I think and then it works its way into something that could look, you know, and then it also, you know, careful for those who I've been browbeating with the athlete versus human comment, but here we go. It then, it, it then allows a mesh of all of that. 
right? So we don't get into the area of what, what the intentions are of the movement expression. We're just backing up and saying, listen, it's just movement expression. Um, and therefore it may envelop all of that stuff, which is soccer, you know, at an elite level, right? It's still in our language, whatever we call it, it's still fitness, right? Because it's movement expression, right? So it's a journey of physical movement expression, right? I don't have to say physical, but movement expression, which fundamentally, you know, has physicality inside of it. Um, I think the area where it gets a little open to, for discussion is the autonomy point and that which leads to good cognitive function. Right. Because I, man, I, maybe you've done this and it'd be interesting to see again as a descriptive project, but if we were to survey 10,000 people and if one of them said cognitive function, you know, in, in terms of fitness, oh. I would be surprised now that, you know, again, going back to our initial point, that doesn't mean we just say, Oh, well, guess what? Fitness doesn't include the notion of mental acuity. No, yeah. it just, people's way of thinking about it has been so um, uh, colored by, you know, uh, ads and marketing schemes and all the rest of that yes. stuff. Yes. Yeah. And then I think we'd have to back up then we can probably put it down to go back to uh, really ask for your expertise on that for affects versus effects. Right. And then see, see what that means inside of that equation. Um, that would be very important to, 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 to look at, but I, I would agree with you. It's, um, but just so I could like voice it out where that comes from is, uh, to be really honest, is just see the uh, affect of uh, the constant push towards max physical potential of like what movement expression is, right? So there, there is a sweet spot to that where as measured as what I relatively should have for my fit and for my cognitive potential, it was actually not going in that direct, in the positive adaptive direction, right? Like I, I my vitality was lower. I, I couldn't reproduce or I couldn't even try to reproduce. Like, so but I was doing movement expression, you know what I'm saying? So there's this sweet spot that there has to be a, there has to be a continuation into the language of that de definition. Otherwise it just leaves it open to like madness, madness of movement expression. So that's why I add that um, cognition because it also is a feedback loop. That's what cognition is. It's like you get the stimulus you're, you're noticing you know, and, and that and I'm also thinking, you know, uh, the more you become to recognize like intention and physical activity, there's actual, you know, shit that's going on in your brain that's connected to your spinal cord, to the muscles. That's like, that, that is a, um, is a, uh, a strategy that's physical that if you don't honor it and do it correctly, um, it leads to the, to the physical being just not being as good. And so you got to tie in a thought around that. Um, and sorry, that, that could go deeper in terms of like then strategies and, um, yeah. No, I, I, voice that out. <laughs> no, I think that's super interesting. I, something I even thought of just the other day that I think would be a great topic, uh, later on, but connects to what you were just saying is like, you know, philosophy of the mind body connection. Um, so I, I think that, you know, just what you just said right there, or just even the mind brain connection, um, yeah. super interesting in fitness. Um, so we, we've hit on the normative side of the definition of fitness a bit with, you know, that, that definition you gave, which I think is really good. And I think we could spend a whole episode just on, on that. And then multiple episodes just unpacking the concepts. Yeah. I think one interesting thing that might be worth us discussing today, going back to something you said is 
you know, you were talking about fitness being an umbrella term that would then maybe encompass, you know, elite soccer or other, other movement expression within it. Yeah. Um, one of the things I noticed, I, I went back and read uh, Glassman's article, uh, had been a while, uh, just kind of interesting um, thoughts there, you know, so he, he, I don't know that I actually remembered this part, but, you know, he out and out defines fitness as super wellness. Um, so, you know, if there's a continuum, continuum of, um, you know, sickness on one end. Um, and then I believe actually wellness is in the middle or health, or whatever you want to call it. And then fitness is the peak, yeah. uh, version of that. I think there's a really interesting question about how does fitness or what we want to, whatever term we want to use, let, let's, we can even just, you know, have a placeholder that we can say, whatever we intend this thing to be, how does it relate to health? How does it relate to wellness? How does it relate to performance, longevity, and athleticism? And I don't know about you, but I don't think any of the, I think all of those terms that I just listed are related yeah. to what we're intending to discuss. Yeah. But they are not coextensive or the same as what we're trying to discuss. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would. Uh, they all need their own bucket of definition and explanation, you know, and, and their own podcast, <laughs> really, with 100 episodes to discuss each of them defined. That's the way I right. think about it. As you were saying each of them, I was like, oh, man. I hope he's not looking for <laughs> for the connector of each of those. But to your point, that's where I that's where I immediately go is it's you have to define you know what you consider to be health or well being or longevity versus living well uh, versus living long. Um, and I think yeah, that's where I would that's what I would have to go before we want to like lump like what does fitness mean to that or is fitness inside of it? I mean, I think. I, I do agree with you that this, I mean, each of these could be its own podcast episode and maybe multiple ones, but I mean, maybe an easy one to start off with and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but how would we, how would the compare contrast project of taking what we're intending to discuss versus athleticism yield insight into what we're discussing? I think that yeah. is, yeah. Yeah, I got that. I mean, I, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I have language on this because I've spent many hours sitting on this couch alone thinking about this. Um, that it goes back to what, how, what you define as health and then what you define as physical expression and then what you define as um, adaptation towards uh, living well long. And if those are defined as, you know, at, you know, you start, you go to the end. Well, well, let's go to the end, the end of this finite time of living. And then you can work yourself backwards to say, well, this is the proposed scaffolding that someone should have to define what I consider health and living long. And I put it into a couple of buckets as my own language. And there's two or three other people out there that actually have the same kind of buckets, just different language which is interesting because I've done the research on it or just like listen to individuals talk about it. You know, eventually you want the most optimal mental acuity. You want your mechanical system to function really well relative to what you want to do in those days, days. And you want to have the highest level of possible contentment in relations, right? So great mental acuity, great physical function. And I'm, just, I'm saying great because it's loose terms, but I mean, so this is what it's not. You're not in an old age home getting medicine, slurping at 85, okay? That's what you're not doing. 
So the way I describe it, and you hear me maybe talk about it, is like I envision the storyline because the mystics and mythical ideas have really created an unbelievable base support for creativity so people can actually see what we're talking about, right? So the strength of the story is kind of humorous, but you know, you wake up in the morning, you maybe still have an erection, a small one, but you have an erection um, and you climb a mountain in that day with your loved one and you just fall off, right? You're fucking laughing on the way down. I mean, that, that's just a beautiful ending, right? But, but think about that, like climbing a mountain is the example of great physical function, right? And having the mental acuity to be able to actually do, I didn't say you're wandering off and you climbed a mountain and fell off. Like you fucking knew about the strategies to try to do that. Right. So you do have all your pieces together. So if I define that as physical function and you work your way backwards, right. And then you look at all the data of sacrificial sport of 25 to 35 year olds, people doing athleticism, right. And which has been done right? This has been done. It's not like it hasn't been done. This, this book has been written 10,000 times, right? And what do they look like at 65? They're not working anywhere towards what I had defined as living long, right? As sad as it sounds, they're killing themselves, right? That, that's fucking, sorry, whoops, that's truth, right? So I apologize. I, I thought we weren't going to do it, but I'm, I'm emotional on that because we're, we're losing humans and human potential, and cognitive function because of that sacrificial unconscious physical expression. You see that? So you have to go back and define. So if you're going to, you're going to lump, uh, you know, maximal physical expression, you know, inside of that whole thing, you have to define, you know, and you've got to give me a really strong definition uh, from experiences and predictions of what you define as someone at the far end because then I'll argue till I'm blue in the face of work backwards and say that when you're 28, you know, what fitness is defined as it should be, you know, just some slight challenges because it's connecting you to another 62 years of this practice. Right. You know, and so that's how, why I define the athlete versus the human in two completely different buckets, completely different buckets. And I think that the athletic pursuit and anything that stretches people beyond just regular practice of physical expression, that's slightly beyond their own current challenges. I think it's leading to, um, it's, it's futile. It is, it's leading to a, um, entropy. You know, it's, it's making that system work itself, work itself down faster, um, uh, because of that. So I never, I, uh, never really liked the, well, the super wellness continuum. Um, that's personally the way I saw it. Cause I knew physical expression. I saw how the athleticism was lumped in it to sell a concept of you can be an athlete. And no one really asked that hard question is like, well, what happens when you get really good at trying to express yourself physically more and more over time, right? Guess what happens? You need more of it and a lot more intensity in it. Um, and that doesn't lead to what your previous def definition was of, of wellness, right? Um, and I can understand why, why individuals may not like that because currently to today, it's not like we're surrounded by 95% of people who are like fit and like out there giving it, you know, and we're surrounded by a ton of people who just don't do much. So we're scared to death of mediocrity. Um, and so people are like, no, but you know, you're trying to tell me that we shouldn't be intense. Like, yeah, I'm telling you, you shouldn't be intense. Like, you know, you could just, just do a little bit of work and it'll get you there in the end. So I'll stop. But that's where, that's where my thoughts come up on, you know, and I, I can provide you with that. I'm, if, you know, even if I have a couple of seconds, I might be able to pull up a screen share of what I consider the wellness continuum. 
Um, and there's, there's one end, there's vitality. And then the other end is death, right? And, and, and elite fitness is right next to sickness. Right. And so, and I, I define that based upon the, the, the most challenging physical expression, right? The most challenging physical expression, because you have to, you have to work towards what your capabilities are. Like you gotta, and you gotta move beyond them. And that's what, uh, and we can see, and as you know, you've probably recognized before, felt before, we know why we do that. Like there's something cathartic around going beyond your capabilities. Right. You know, there's something beautiful in that. Um, it's just that as we're defining fitness, especially this lump inside of well-being and long, longevity, that's a, that's a tough one. Yeah, and I think we're, you know, I'm definitely on the same page as what you're describing in terms of uh, seeing at elite athletics uh, as close to death and wellness and what we're describing as fitness or whatever we want to call it being a very different thing. But I, I think, I mean, just exactly what you just did, I think is a super helpful way of giving people purchase on what it is we're talking about, just that contrast. We say, oh, what we intend to discuss as fitness versus athleticism, there was so much right there that we got, even if we, well, you actually provided a great uh, normative definition already, but even if we didn't have that already, you could already tell just from that contrast how different these things yeah. are. Um, another thing that came up that you were discussing uh, that was one of the, you know, um, concepts I had within here that I think would be interesting to discuss was longevity. You know, so you mentioned, you mentioned longevity a little bit, but I think we would need to say longevity star or longevity asterisk because what you were describing is not just pure persistence, right? It's not just like, Oh, as long as you've got a drip, um, you know, and the heart's beating and the brain's functioning, it's, you know, um, you know, living, you know, your long longest, best, most maximal life. So let's, Let's do kind of what we just did a second ago with what we're intending to discuss as fitness versus athleticism with the relationship between longevity and what you're trying to describe. How do those two relate? Yeah, I'm not sure if I'll be able to tie in the, the fitness portion to that, but um, I think that, uh, and I'll use some other people's words, although I, <clears throat> I just the topping in itself, David Sinclair, Sinclair is a, MD out of Harvard uses that uh, or a lot of his brain power to think about that, like what living long means. And I think, um, yeah, what I'm, what I'm talking about there is that there's, there's still, you know, there's still potential in you that you're working towards um, and you're very close to that potential and you're always trying to move up against that potential, which are, which are essentially limitations and, and uh, capability issues, right? Um, and like threshold and red lines, right? You, you, you always wanna be flirting with that your whole life. So, so and, and just give you an example, an athlete at 32 on an American football field is going above and beyond that capability. Do you see that? That's not what I'm considering longevity. Considering longevity is that if you tap out, you know, at 77 due to genetic heart failure, right? I would, I would hope that we can look back at the 77 years and see like, you know, as I mentioned on, you know, on day, day 76, 364, right? You are like whippersnapper, right? You're doing some lunges in your backyard, 
right? You're maintaining good blood sugar balance throughout the day, right? You're having challenging conversations on religion with a scotch at night. You know, like that's, that's living next day out. But the whole time you were working on your cognitive and physical potential and we'll put it in there just because it's language, spiritual potential, right? Um, the whole time. So whatever that looks like, the more and more that you, you stretch the time horizons on that and it goes to 87 and whatever, you still are working towards not what you did when you were 22 and deadlifted, your current potential, right? Your current potential. And I believe that, I believe that, <laughs> I know you're going to pick up on that one. I believe that we all have uh, a reason for being here of going after what that potential is in all those buckets. And I think that's really admirable. I think that's really admirable. Um, so that's what I describe as a storyline of, of time that that contains all of that just submax push underneath your potential and just based upon like all systems how do you how do you grow and adapt systems cognitive behavioral therapy uh you know perspectives in um identity uh perspectives in freedom like uh, you got to push up against what the limitations are of those systems right so you can feel out what's on the other side and what you see what I'm saying, right? So, but, I, but you don't like fucking burn down the White House. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right? You, you, you get up on the steps and you preach for like two months straight with, with flags and, and signs, right? Just because you're pushing up against the limitations of what that, what that is. So I believe it's the same way in, in life systems. Um, and that will help, I think, uh, define first to your question on what I'm what I'm calling longevity and then we could work in like well I believe I guess to answer the question I guess I remember to answer it or think I thinking I am um, is that the physical expression is a practice that allows us to figure out and assess and push up against what our current acute limitations are every day. Which leads to us not only looking ahead going, oh, that's what I'm not capable of right now, but also says, oh, that's what I'm capable of right now. Right? And then we have to be very careful of uh, attaching, uh, to become moral on it, <laughs> attaching bands and NO explode to that. <laughs> Because it put, <laughs> no, but honestly, as humans, it's pushing people beyond function. There's another episode too, right? Like caffeine and stimulants to get you motivated arousal wise for exercise. Oof, you know, like there's an end to that. I mean, that's futile as well. Anyways, I'll stop there. <laughs> no, that's, that was super interesting for a number of reasons. So one, I think it highlighted just what we started out the episode discussing the descriptive versus normative thing. So if we were just to say, oh, description of longevity, just live as long as you can, that's not what we're intending here. We're taking that concept and trying to um, expand it and say what it should be. And you had a very rich definition there. But it also made me think of 
there's kind of two interesting layers. So there's like what people are typically doing today, you need fitness to achieve longevity, where that just means like live longer, but we're not talking about how you should live in those just basic terms. And then there's what you just described, which is what we intend to mean as fitness, achieving this new definition of longevity, which is always striving for potential. So I think, you know, there are two, going back to what we discussed last time with equivocation, there are two ways you could say uh, fitness is a means to longevity. One of which is just the common way of speaking that, you know, we've, we've argued as a bit lower order, but then there's this more interesting way of fitness as a means to achieve, not just living longer, but achieving as close to your potential as possible mentally, physically, and all the rest of it for the duration of your life. And you haven't achieved longevity. Even if you live to 120 years, this longevity start, you wouldn't have achieved it were you not using fitness along the path. Does that kind of get at what you were saying? Yes, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. It's great for me to see it in, um, in, in different words that I didn't indirectly try to, to look at both sides of that, both normative and, um, indirect so yeah you, you fitness it, it's interesting so in the typical definition fitness isn't really like if we took the typical definition of longevity as just living a long life fitness isn't really a necessary condition yeah it could help a little bit but someone could you know if they had good enough genetics they could live a long life i mean it could help a little bit but you don't really need it yeah. but in your definition of longevity it would be missing the whole point yes and yes. Again, we're not talking about like standard, you know, uh, Zumba or something like that. We're talking about what we were just defined earlier as fitness, that really deep, rich, normative concept of autonomy and potential and habit and practice and because you can. And yes, yes. Okay. And yeah, I, I, I certainly know um, listening to great minds out there and not knowing what their phys- fitness practice is, um, you know, it brings up the question. I just think of... Um, you know, some great thinkers out there. Um, you know, I'm not sure what their fitness program is, but, but their intention on their fitness program is like, oh no, this is what people do. You know what I mean? They're not, they're not thinking this may help me come up with uh, uh, more advantages to my new string theory argument that I need to make, you know, it's uh, so um, yeah, that I, 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 I also know that it's, you know, it's permeated out there in billions of people that, that, that idea is not in place, not set in place. That's why I always, of course, Robbie, like, you know, in CCP start with the story of there was a time where there, the word didn't exist. Neither right. did the trainer. I think that's a good place just for your brain to stretch. Right. It's like, so, so what went on at that time? You know, well, it changes not only the definition of it, but it changes our whole concept of it. Yet the thing remains is that, as I mentioned, we still take nine months to have a child and when we're cut, we heal the same speed. Um, you know, well, arguably, depending upon soil erosion is probably less fast now, but um, yeah, that's where, uh, yeah, that's where I still have some challenges as to um, what I'm currently thinking about is the, is the uh, stress that I place upon myself of finite time and permeating that thought enough to change the landscape and the definition. So people just in the generations go by, you know, are birthed with this concept in mind that physical expression is a, is a right. 
um, and it's a um, it's it's an admirable pursuit for uh, for uh, for great things in society. You know. Yeah, and it's not just. I mean, I think along with that, it's not just this like random. Or it 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 both is not. Well, maybe it is, but it shouldn't be just this random thing you do on the side to you know not die. Yeah, yeah. It, that's what. That's what I have some sorrow over <laughs> is the is the, the how long that's been inside of the the language, but that's what brings us here, Robbie. That's what we're here to do: to create some language on it, to ask the hard questions, and and uh, maybe shift maybe shift some thinking on it. Yeah. So others, so to slightly define autonomy to that is to is to for our listeners to uh, take that and have these discussions with others. Right. So they have their own. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so that they can allow. Uh, yeah. So thank you for creating the framework for, for those two sides and uh, creating some really good language on um, what's just fumbling out. But uh, yeah, I appreciate it. No, thank you for sharing that. I know that, that was super interesting. I'd, I'd never literally until you just said that I never, I mean, you know, in discussing this in CCP, you know, you kind of have these interesting connections, but like just that connection between the typical definition of fitness for longevity versus true fitness for true longevity. Uh, that, that was super interesting. Um, so I have a couple other questions and topics that we can compare and contrast what we dis what we want to uh, talk about as fitness with like fitness versus health and wellness, but I want to just double check you real quick. You doing okay on time? Yeah, we got uh, 13 minutes. Okay, so like you said, this this literally could be a podcast or multiple podcasts, but let, let's just let's just do a little start on this because I think the way you answered fitness versus athleticism and fitness and its relation to longevity was super interesting. Let's just do a little starter intro on what we are trying to describe as fitness or this new concept or whatever you want to call it versus health. How do those two compare and contrast? How do they relate to one another in your mind? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Whew. Well, health, health has this. Um, yeah, I'm kind of stuck on that because I feel I'm, I am I am constrained by you know having a whole other podcast on it. I think health has to be defined because it again it would be a similar uh, word that's been hijacked to mean something um and as examples of that uh you know what you use as a word of health care and how people think about that like caring for one's health um is whether you like it or not is all wrapped around a dysfunctional model psychological dysfunction physical dysfunction disease model right that's how they come up with that like are searching and striving for health well actually what's inside of your def definition of health is not dying. And so all your learnings and everything that's inside of that is, is like, it's not wrong, but it's not, it's not providing a plus three concept to that. So what I mean by that is how I look at health is on a number scale of a person's, uh, you know, a person's number, each one has their own potential. And, and uh, I, I put it into like, there's, there's individuals that, and cognitive physical function um and uh again the the end result of what i'm considering longevity and like good good at the end um 
there's minus fives and there's plus fives and the plus five is vitality and and that's probably what i mean by elite health <laughs> or really good health is is tied into what is vital and vital meaning um, that opportunity still to like work towards and push up against your potential, but still keep adapting and moving forward, which we assume creates increased resilience, strong immunity, um, the ability to teach others, the ability to contribute, the ability to um, resist entropy, right? All of that is plus five, right? So that is, that's healthy. And then, and then plus one, um, you just started to learn about movement and get off the couch and you know what it's like to eat broccoli and kind of feel better than when you had that chocolate bar, right? So, you, you know, and there's consistency inside of that. And then, and then minus five, um, not to categorize, but it is like that's, that's cognitive and physical dysfunction, right? Where it's just not good, you know, stuff. And however that is, based upon the facts, um, you have a very low chance of that plus five being attained within a couple of weeks or for the rest of your life, right? So minus five is unhealthy, plus five is healthy. So health is a continuum of that uh, reflection of, again, connecting to what it's going to look like over a long period of time. I think what what's underneath that too, though, is this is that whether it's right or wrong, maybe you could offer something to that, Robbie, is the concept of what resilience is, right? Being able to adapt and overcome all of these perturbations that happen, you know, in lifestyle. So, you know, just think of right now, right? Who's the most healthy right now? I know it's, it's, that's a difficult one to use right now, but who's the most healthy right now? My answer to that would be, those that could probably put up with three to four or five weeks of idleness and changes in lifestyle, right? See how that's, that's a health definition, not A1C levels and like resting cortisol and, and how many pushups you can now do, right? No, it's like, so underneath that, that plus minus five to plus five, there's this like permeating language of resilience and, uh, and, um, yeah, and the ability to adapt, right? I just call it resilience, right? Who's the most, who's the most resilient in that? And that's probably going to line you up towards people who are probably going to be, you know, coming, becoming aware of like searching towards a plus five and staying at a plus five over a period of time. So uh, that's what I'm thinking about health. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, part of the, uh, I, I agree with a lot of what you said. I mean, I, I think part of what's interesting about this project is. Um, seeing how the two concepts relate, like is fitness a subconcept of health or vice versa? Yes. Um, what you just said seemed to me to tie the two together in at least one way. I mean, I, I think we would both agree on the face of it. Fitness or what we want to describe as fitness and health are two different things. They are related, but they are two different things. Yes. But one very clear connector between the two that you just mentioned that we discussed last time is this notion of readiness. Yes or ability to um, adapt in certain ways. And maybe in fitness, that means one thing around certain physical tasks. It probably also has some connection to the health bit too, like surviving things like, yeah. No doubt, no doubt. Yeah, I, um, I think some of the things that tie in there is maybe less in the language of fitness, but um, like to your word of readiness, people just, 
people use that word lately because it's like it's common athletic language. That's why it's inside of all of our thoughts. People don't know that's the reason why, but it is. But I take about take take readiness in a in a you know 800 AD perspective. Yeah. Okay, that that'll give you some new concepts of readiness. Um, but but that's that's inside of us, right? We have uh, fright, fight, flee, free, flee, freeze whatever, there's four Fs, you know, based upon our systems of for that, but, and we have a constant monitoring of that, you know, polyvagal theory would discuss that of saying we have this constant monitoring of like what's happening in our, in our entire universe and, and what's going on. And we, we, I just use the word, we sniff that out, right? We, we do have the capability of sniffing that out. And essentially what resilience is, is becoming more and more aware of how well you sniff things out. It's actually not, a measure of HRV and readiness. You see that? And then secondarily, to be ready actually does take practice, not only awareness. That's what all the people forget about, right? It's like, oh, so I'm just gonna sleep and chew my food and, da, 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 and I'll be ready for the tiger. It's like, actually you won't. You do need some practice of perturbations to get a feedback, right? So that's why I say, right now is a great time for people to breathe and assess how well they're doing with how messed up things are because it's a real nice nudge right now, right? Unfortunately for some, it's leading to disarray in the entire physical system, but uh, for a lot of others, like this is a great time to wake up. My point being is that for readiness, tying it into that health over time, um, it's a, um, it's a pra it has to be a practice and people have to have awareness of what their what their uh, level of readiness is, right? Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. And I, I mean, man, we just keep coming up with podcast topics. But even just the notion of like readiness, you know, again, to take the famous example that we've discussed before, like, you know, does it mean ready to go fight a fire or fight a war? You know, you know what I mean? Like that's yes. that had been co-opted by a certain fitness movement that said, yep. well, yep. that's what readiness is. But yep. there's a continuum of that. There is. You need to be that extreme so yeah there is and and you know where it's going to push up against is the is the unconscious max physical expression again for no purpose do you see that so you're you're essentially training to get ready for something that you will never have to be ready for and so what are you now pushing up against a decrease in longevity so you see that there's that yeah. sweet fine line of uh of this and, you know, I'll, I'll even say that my belief is that that was a very well-intentioned perspective, right? Yeah. The, the hijacking of got to be ready for everything. And it, like, you know, it wasn't just, rah, 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 you know, fuck the old athletic system or whatever fitness is system. It wasn't just that, yeah. although it was really well-placed and well-timed. Um, I think there was good intentions behind it because it made people go, well, yeah, you know, what is function, you know, um, because as the example... Um, there's a continuum in that too. So like the, um, I use the example all the time, the emergency, uh, uh, medical practitioners, right. Who, or health practitioners, right. Or firemen or, uh, you know, like, um, or that's why I use fighters too, right. There's shit that you don't know that's going to happen. So you, you got to practice for that, right. Otherwise you're a rookie, right. You're just sitting in the fire hall, right. And you're like four years and you never really had any practice of that, but you know, you fucking chewing your food and sleeping good. And then you go out and see someone decapitated in a car crash on the highway. Right. See what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't mean you got to work with dummies and, but, but you gotta, you gotta practice some of that cognitive 
and physical stress, right? In order to be ready for that moment. Because what's our definition of ready? Is not just to show up and know what to do with the car crash. Is being able to get back to the hall, shut that shit down and take a nap. And I can tell you that that fireman doesn't do that when they're not ready for that, right? So there, it, there, there does tie in. There's a lot, yeah, there's a lot of color in that answer uh, for people who do need to practice that for a specific function. Right. Um, and I like how it's going to move us uncomfortably towards, well, what is fitness for them? <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. But I think we can safely say that from a gen pop perspective, they don't need to learn a bar muscle up to get themselves out of a burning building. I, I once had that as a, uh, I kid you not, I once had that as a justification for the functional. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, it's uh, actually chewing your food. You know, yeah. that, that's right. I, I back up. I'll just leave that for everyone. Chewing your food is actually going to get you to that, making good decisions and having good readiness towards those uh, unbelievable, stressful periods. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so I think, uh, time-wise, it's probably a good place to wrap things up. James, as always, thank you so much. Uh, it was an awesome discussion. Yeah, um, likewise. I look forward to, uh, extending this out. Yeah, me too. Thank you. All right, thank you.